Oh, they said they were going skinny dipping, and I'm not skinny enough. Take a seat and rip open those trapper keepers. I am Christopher, here with the lovely Mr. Hoodie. What's up, fellas? Exciting to be here at the beginning of a new year. And the big brother, Jason, or I should say Josh Voorhees, looking himself, Mr. Nasty, Joseph. Uh, welcome back, guys and gals. Hope everyone had a great holiday season. It's been too long. Who's ready to knock the dust off with everyone's favorite mama's boy machete-toting maniac? Mama boy machete-toting We have been mama's gone for quite some time. toting maniac. It's been a little bit, man. It's been, uh, I feel like Freddy's been sitting in my crawl for too long now. I've been having Ooh. some thoughts, you know. Oh. Well, before we hop into the show, boys, I do have one question here for Chris. What's up? Could you date a woman who was also named Chris? Oh, I could, but not if she spells it C-H-R-I-S as the main character in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> this has got to be awkward. Thank you, subtitles. So before we hop into the show, boys, let's talk about uh, where people can find our other content, HorribleFilmSchool.com, where the all our backlog is located, as well as our merch store, and we have a YouTube channel, which, Chris, you know the handle. Yeah, so with the YouTubes changing some policies now, we kind of have like at symbols, I guess they're tags, as you will, so conveniently enough, we are at Horrible Film School. Today's assignment is 1982's Friday the 13th Part 3. Today's lesson, just quit going to this fucking lake. Okay, first up, as always, the fan reviews, seeing what our audience thought of this before we give our own opinions. First up is Justin Finsack13. Finsack. Dolphins fan. Probably an avid Dolphins fan. And this comes from 2019. Titled, This Movie is Pretty Darn Good. A killer disco theme at the beginning and the end, plus the intro of Jason's iconic hockey mask. It's also the first movie in the franchise to be shot in scope as opposed to the first two which were shot in flat ratio and also the only one to be shot in 3D. Not the current 3D, but the red and blue 3D that was a part of the 1980s fad that was revived for a short time and ended with Star Chaser. Quite the history lesson there, boys. And he gave it a 10 out of 10. This spawned the idea for Avatar, is what you're telling me here. Apparently. Uh, 3D does date back a long ways, but you, you, the argument could be there that the hockey mask killer brought it back. Precursor. Remember the prices of those 3D televisions they came up with? Like that you had to wear fucking specs and shit. Like when you were at home, it was like four grand. Oh shit, game zone. Everybody get your glasses. But one dude ain't got the fucking glasses. You sitting there watching a goddamn <laughs> fucking mess on the screen trying to figure out what's going on. I've seen the Green Hornet, um, the My Bloody Valentine remake, and one of the Spider-Mans in 3D, and I didn't like any of those experiences. I watched Titanic in 3D. That was pretty cool. But that wasn't shot in 3D, so how does that even work? Like James Cameron, man. He reissued it in like 2011 or something. Oh, he George Lucas did. I got you. If anybody can do it, it's, it's the cam man. Next up, 
from 2005 from a Mr. Craig Jameson titled The Most Rubbish Piece of Crap I Have Ever Seen. Apparently, the reviewers are very PG these, these, these days. Rubbish. You know, this guy's like European using that kind of word. Rubbish. That's this, rubbish. Fucking this clown. film. This, this film is maybe the worst Friday the 13th film ever made. The plot is all over the place, and it is poorly written. There basically isn't even a plot. It's just people getting killed. I don't know what Paramount was thinking when they decided to make this film. When I was watching it, I was in... Hysterics because it was so funny to watch the crappy reactions on the actors' faces. If you want a good laugh, then this is the film for you because this is the most rubbish, again, piece of crap I have ever seen. I don't recommend that you rent this out. It's only good for watching when there is nothing else on. One out of ten stars. So his own quote became the title of his review. That's how you know he's a professional. His fucking review didn't even make any sense. It's rubbish, rubbish. Like the plot's all over the place. Then there's no plot. All of a sudden, I mean, make your mind up, guy. You even said it was it was for a good laugh. I mean, if you found some redeeming qualities, there's there's some things that have no redeeming qualities. You know, some people just don't uh, don't get the franchise. Not for everyone. All right, let's hop into the writer and director of this film. First up, director Steve Miner who was also the director of Part 2, Friday the 13th, House, and the classic Warlock. I think we talked about Steve Miner like, a lot because he directed, like, didn't you say directed 2, right? He did direct 2, yes. Yeah, he also directed Lake Placid, so just keep that in mind. That's like his <laughs> claim to fame, honestly. This film has two writers attached. First, Martin Kitrosser, hopefully I said that correctly, who directed... Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 5, The Toy Maker in 1991. Classic. Shit. Part 5. I think they had him work on one of the Kill Bill movies as a uh, as like a script slash um, continuity uh, like specialist script or something. Supervisor? I don't understand how. why the fuck would you have somebody from the Friday the 13th series as a continuity specialist. This dude was on a lot of good films as a script supervisor. He was on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Maybe he's just good at spotting inconsistencies in your shots. Bullshit! That's, that's what a this script supervisor does. This fucking movie right here has so many inconsistencies throughout. A script supervisor's job is to be on set and to tell you how you just did the thing you did so you can repeat it. So maybe he has like a photographic memory. That'll make him a good screenwriter. The second writer attached to this is Carol Watson, who also wrote Friday the 13th, The Final Chapter, and Meatballs Part 2. Happening some behind-the-scenes stuff. I've only got, let's see, four notes here. To prevent the film's plot from being leaked, the production company used the fake title Crystal Japan after a David Bowie song. This began an on-again, off-again tradition of giving Friday the 13th films David Bowie song titles during filming. That's like the coolest production note attached to this franchise, no doubt. That it will ever have. (laughs) So wait a second, they didn't want the plot for this coming out. Couldn't, man. Couldn't let it be. I I, I had zero recollection of this. I can tell you what the fuck was going to (laughs) happen. No spoilers, man. No spoilers. 
I heard they're making part three. I wonder what it's going to be about. <laughs> Fuck. This was Paramount's first 3D film since Ulysses in 1954, which was 28 years prior. So they dusted off a 28-year-old trick for Jason. Well, the whole 3D thing came back around. Pretty much, don't they say that trends come back every, like, 30 years or something? People say that shit, but it's only in reference to things that happened 30 well, years Well, no, ago. I mean, this kind of is true in this case, because 3D was big in the 50s, and it, you know, fell out of favor. And then the 80s had that boom uh, of, like, 3D movies. You had, what, Jaws 3D? Amityville uh, 3D. Amityville 3D. Uh, Jason 3D. By some estimates, Paramount was forced to spend between eight and ten million to actually get Part Three into theaters. That's because they ended up making, supplying, and installing the individual lenses and silver screens required to project Part Three in all a thousand and seventy-nine theaters, which showed the film the opening weekend, August nineteen eighty-two. They also had to train the projectionists at theaters and establish a twenty-four-hour hotline for all of the theaters who showed this film in 3D in case issues arose. That's really nuts. Rolled this shit out, man. It was a big, that's a big deal. Hey, so you trained thing, though. Like, you got to think about it. The fact that I think Friday the 13th, wasn't it like the most profitable horror franchise of like the eighties? Oh, I yeah. Think, I think you're right. It's been out the most sequels in the 80s, for sure. Yeah, because they was like fucking boom, 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 sequels back to back to back to back. They were making money hand over fist. Spending that money, you know, making sure it's shown how it was meant to be represented in theaters, that's probably dropping a bucket. It seems like they put a lot of effort into the presentation and less into the production. Oh, for sure. Just the glory days of horror, man. It's just right here. It's That's awesome that a horror movie got this kind of attention. So, released the same year as E.T., as well as The Thing, Poltergeist, The Road Warrior, uh, as well as Blade Runner and Tron. 3D, wow. 3D, as I'm going to refer to the movie, still found success with a gross of over $34 million, making it the fourth highest gross in Friday the 13th movie of all time. Also, uh, Friday the 13th came along, uh, part three came along and was able to knock out that, uh, that long neck bastard E.T. off his pedestal at the box office at number one, um, after the, uh, Spielberg masterpiece has spent weeks there. And with that, let's jump into the story. What's going on? Get up! Shelly, enough is enough! <laughs> Part three, shockingly, starts with the ending of part two, just like part two started with the ending of part one. <laughs> Which, yeah, this is a bit on the nose again. <laughs> I guess it's literally like a television show. This is like, like the only previously bit Previously on. This is <laughs> pretty much in my the fucking DBZ opening immediately popped into my head with this fucking recap. Last over. time on last Dragon Ball Z. Last time on Friday the 13th. You just saw this like eight months ago because we can spit these some bitches out like hotcakes. Will Jenny's boyfriend survive? 
so yeah, we see uh, Jenny running to Mother's house, and she puts on Mommy Dearest's sweater, sweet talking the big dumb buffoon before stabbing him right in the back, which we've already seen, and then we cut to a 3D-centric opening credit sequence with everyone's name just jump right in right out of you. I like the fucking title track, dog. It was like oh, a thriller dude. knockoff or some shit. The opening track is a fucking banger. It certainly did uh, take me off guard for a second. I was Props. like, what the fuck? I thought I was watching like a parody or something all of a sudden. Props to returning the composer Harry Manfredini. Get him, Harry. He's worked on like... Didn't he work on like every fucking Friday the 13th movie? So you think they pad these with the previously owns just to like bump the runtime because all these movies are like 80 minutes long. And if you take that out of both of them, they probably go down to 70, you know. It's probably a solid take. Um cuz I mean there's there, there's there's only so much you can do with this story. This flashback kind of uh takes away from Jason, I think, cuz it shows him getting overpowered like really easily by that dude. Uh, by the boyfriend. And then we see him later in this movie and he's fucking superhuman again. I well, tell they're always like, why did you remind me of they're that? They're always superhuman until the third act. I guess All true. of them are. And he pops up in that window and she's in the lake, but we'll but we'll get there. <laughs> we'll so can I tell there. the story cuz you guys brought up the whole 3D like uh credits <laughs> popping out at the at the at this on the screen and shit. <laughs> can I tell a little story about uh, oh, me working did on Did you own? get scared? Is that what happened, George? Did you All shit right. your pants when they came no, at you? No, no, oh, God. Oh, no, God. <laughs> but a, a little backstory. So the day I worked on my notes was the same day I moved into my new place. Shout out to the uh, the moving squad. Those boys got the muscle. Uh, them boys. And me, uh, them boys. And me procrastinating the way I do, I said, fuck it. I'm dog-ass tired from all this moving and shit. I'm just going to set up my PC recording equipment to work on my notes and record uh, to record tomorrow uh, just to have that done. So to hell with the rest of this garbage unpacking, uh, a.k.a. everything else I own. To ease what was in my, in my mind, a considerable burden, the burden of just plugging some shit into a PC and throwing it on a desk and plopping it into my chair in front of it to, uh, to ease this it's annoyance. So I dropped a 600 milligram edible. So watch this movie high out of my fucking mind, and every one of these throw-in three moments fantastic. like fucked my world up. So this is uh, one of the best movies you've ever seen. I think I, I experienced it as it was, it was on cloud nine right now in like '82. So yeah, I, it, it was pretty fucking great. But Joey watched it in 3D without the glasses. Every time they did some corny ass 3D shit, I was like, yeah, it took me out. Fuck, man. It's in my face. He's holding the damn stick out. When that fucker held the stick the first time, my ass jumped back. So there is still a way to watch this in, in, in 3D, everybody. You just gotta, Oh, yeah. Just got to use your imagination. Just let, let the, uh, the mind's eye open. The film takes place the day after part two and finds a local shopkeeper's wife checking on her husband amongst the full clotheslines with a quick shot of Jason walking without his tater sack on we got a glimpse of him here just legit fucking pennywise just walking through the clothesline i missed right before this there's a fucking there's a role on the television like you know telling the the events that was taking place all the bodies and shit and she turns the antennas around it like pokes you in the fucking eye 
Like using as a 3D effect. <laughs> this shit is so corny. He's setting up the clothesline. He's like, get to get to put the stick right in the damn camera. And he looks right at the camera. Did you notice the TV news when they showed it looked like it was in fucking HD compared to the rest of the movie? Because it was a still image. The TV wasn't even footage. The TV itself was a picture with the actual camera work inside of it. It was bad. But they were using footage from the last movie. It wasn't even like a fucking TV like news crew was there shooting it. Yeah, there were very close shots to being news. It was like right on some guy's face. <laughs> I will say that... Personally, I miss clotheslines in horror movies. It's, it's extremely effective. Yeah, it's very cheap. Michael Myers had a note here that he kind of he does more stalking here than we're used to. Kind of like Michael Myers in a way. So you think Michael Myers when you see clotheslines? I think Pennywise, Tim Curry's version, I the think real Pennywise version too. But I guess when I'm thinking in my mind through history, like the oldest image, I guess that jumps out is from Halloween. So I think gotcha. it's Lawnmower Man. <laughs> Classic frailty. That's got a. A good clothesline scene. Yes, yes, it does. Is that a, is that a horror film? I, that might make the show. I watched it about three months ago. I'm going to say no. Okay, all right. Got a fresh take on it. The shopkeeper is taking a deuce and drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels, as we all do, you know, from time to time. He is soon gifted with a butcher's knife to his chest, thanks to Jason. Didn't even wipe his ass. <laughs> he did stand up. <laughs> The, the, the fucking dude's name is Harold. He's in his like shop a little bit earlier, like eating peanuts and drinking Sunny D. They Donuts. recorded. They recorded Harold taking a Sunny Delight field diarrhea shit. Like it was, was so gross. like gross. Like not only did they film the fucking movie in three D, but you get to hear the death throes of this guy's sphincter. Yeah, on the toilet. It's, it had one of the most distinct like gurgling shitholes I've ever heard in a movie <laughs> because it like cuts right to it and like. Oh, that's his asshole shrinking. <laughs> it's like, bro. I was like, fuck. I did not expect. Because he goes running out of the scene. I'm like, oh, he's just trying to get away from his wife. No, he's got to take a shit. Okay. Right right before this whole thing, though, like, there's a prop. One, probably one of the worst props I've ever seen in a movie of a snake jumping out. What the fuck was that? It had a string rabbit. on it? It had a string. It was string operated. Like, it was pulled towards the camera. It's 3D effects, right? That right there. Thought, like, the wife did it intentionally because I was like, well, there's a fucking string attached to the snake's Oh, mouth. it's in the rabbit cage. Yeah, yeah, but Yeah, that was an actual fucking, like, <laughs> that was an actual. It was supposed me- to be It was meant snake. to represent a real snake. Oh, okay. I thought it was like a fucking gag. Is that the last time we'll see this, this string used? But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, Pretty bad. Oh, man. As it is. <laughs> man, I think they're missing the hell out of Tom Savini, to be honest. But you with see, they spent eight point. million dollars to make sure this was shown properly, Hootie. Yeah, eight that, million. That man. damn string, though, that two dollar string. Eight to ten, it's somewhere in there. Uh, and because I felt like this was the first time we get a real good shot of Jason, I included the, the man who plays Jason in this film, Mister Richard Broker, and this is the only film of which he plays Jason. Which, in my opinion, is a fucking crime. Because that dude, like, he... The way he portrays Jason in this movie, it's like... He's, like, so powerful, you know? Like, in the last yeah, movie, I think I he was, agree. like, 5'8". I think this guy's, like, 6'7", 300 plus. Yeah, it's a solid boy. This is yeah, a monster, yeah. yeah. He gets a lot of camera time here, too. Maybe I'm just misremembering how the rest of them play out, but I feel like he's... 
on camera a lot, like moving and we're following him a lot. Well, I think it's justified that it is because the way he moves is like he's floating. It's pretty, it's pretty great that the character is portrayed in a way like, all right, he's a great big, you know, powerful being, but at the same time, he's able to move like pretty quick, you know, and stealthily and shit. He's on camera a lot without a mask on. I did not expect that. Oh, we see him without his mask in like every movie. I know, but here it's a lot. It's a lot of the face. I, I, yeah, he gets like fucking close-ups and like he makes facial expressions and shit. Well, this is before he actually got his mask though, right? I, I kind of, in my opinion, it makes sense because he didn't really have the mask for half the movie. Yeah, but I guess it's kind of hard. Like, who do you say to reconcile the fact that we know he's going to be in, a, in that mask? Going forward forever, basically. Now I feel like in the in the films moving forward, and I could be totally wrong because I'm not a big Friday Thirteenth fan. That the mask doesn't come off that much going forward. Oh, it go, it comes off constantly. It's like a big oh, thing okay. every time it comes okay. off. Okay, it's right. at least once in every movie going forward. But see, that's once in every movie. It happens like ten times in this film. I I feel like personally. But oh yeah, we've seen at least three or four times before you even get to here. The shopkeeper's wife goes to check on him and is met with an arrow to the throat. The body count for this film, boys, is at two. Never forget the body count. The formulaic group of teenagers for this film hop in a van and make their way down to the lake for a weekend getaway. We have Chris, Debbie, Shelly, Andy, Farah, Chuck, and, of course, Chili. Is that someone's name? I think you could throw those names in a fucking hat and just pull them out for every character and just, like pop it on their forehead and it would work either way. Random names. Shelly is a fucking dude. Chris is Chris a girl. Is a chick. Shelly is a person. That and none of these characters really really stand out. It could be Christina. They could be any like any name. It doesn't matter. I did pick two actors to to call her. I don't know why, but I got notes, so I'm gonna say it. Chris has played is played by Dana Kimmel, who is in episodes of Different Strokes and T.J. Hooker. She's an attractive lady. And Debbie, played by Tracy Savage, was in Little House on the Prairie, as well as Eight Simple Rules. I remember seeing that name in the credits. I thought she was a porn star. It's a badass name. She's actually Tracy like... Tracy Savage Well, that's is. the thing. She's actually a damn uh, big-time reporter now. I think she handled all the, the um, coverage of... Uh, like the OJ trial or some shit. Wow, I was right after. When I was reading, I'm nah, right after. I, I got one note about the characters here. Uh, it says Shelly fucking sucks. Before you even what the see fuck? this fuck, before you even see this fucking guy, you just hearing his voice like because they leave him behind in the van and you just hear like off camera. I'm gonna wait in the van. I just knew instantly. I was like, this is a fucking. This is the guy I'm gonna fucking hate. That dude pulled out the most fucking Chad move ever. He's talking about, come Chad. out here and meet your date. He said, no, nah, bring her to me. This fucking guy. I really wish they would have cast the, the guy in the wheelchair from Texas Chainsaw Massacre in this role. I definitely had the same energy. I feel like that guy probably would have wanted too much money. <laughs> Possibly. Compared to he Shelly, wants two just, beef jerky sticks. They gave Shelly a couple of fucking baby roofs, and he was good to go. He's just like the saddest fucking sap before you even see him. When his, ass, when his ass eventually gets out the back of the car, he comes walking out the back of the van dressed like an even more autistic Michael Myers. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck The way he's, he's doing. fucking stalking up to the goddamn house and shit. I just want to scare you. I don't know how else to show you that I care about you. <sighs> anyway. You wear a mask with a face like this. 
On the way, they almost run over a bum in the street. He pulls out an eyeball and tells the kids that they have been warned and they should go back to where they came. Yeah, dude, fucking pushed the eyeball up to the screen for the 3D effect. And my eyes went cross-eyed trying to see it. <laughs> yeah, it looked fucking weird. I can't tell what it was. Was it wrapped in a napkin or some shit? No, oh, fuck no. That's the way eyeballs look. Like at a cow and cows and shit. They like a cow eyeball or something. It definitely yeah. wasn't a human eyeball. Yeah. Yeah, he, was like, he held it to the camera for like 10 seconds. I was like, all right, I fucking get it. We it got hadn't it, cut yet. It's right. this fucking wannabe, though, man, just wishes he was crazy Ralph. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was definitely a second-rate uh, that guy. Turn away, you crazy kids. Why are they even going to the fucking camp? Well, it's not, no, it's not a camp. They're going to... Uh, to a cabin. I think it's Hagen's... What the fuck was it? Hagen or Hagen's Haven or something? I think it's, it's Chris's like, uh, cabin. It's Chris's, like Chris's parents' place. I guess they're just trying to go out there to fuck. <laughs> Probably trying to go out there anywhere. and get damn Shelly's Cherry Pop. Knowing his ass ain't going to cock-blocking himself all the time. Dressed like a goddamn idiot. <laughs> so... How big is Camp Crystal Lake? Or Crystal Lake? Because oh, I think the- Crystal Lake's massive. But in the previous two films, it looks pretty small. But I guess you know it's you got to expand the imagination here. Now, is Crystal Lake the town? I think it is. Is the actual lake itself? I think it's the lake lake itself. Because in this film, um, the lake looks terrible. Like whatever location they used. Oh yeah, they barely showed the water. I mean, I think they shot all this shit in like uh, California. They used to shoot on the East Coast, but in order to New Jersey. like um, shoot it in 3D, they have to be they had to be on the West Coast. Had to. And I think I read this fucking lake we see was actually hand dug. It looked like a soundstage almost, or something. Well, that's why it looked like shit. Okay, it was hand dug. Once they arrive at the cabin, Chris is grabbed by her friend Rick, and they are apparently an old couple. Where did this dude fucking come from? Where does damn neck go? Aren't these supposed to be teenagers? Rick looks like That's he's fucking 35. Yeah, he's a grown man. He, he got, got a 401k, no doubt about it. Motherfucker tried to sell me on life insurance the other day. Well, come on now, Chris. What did the motherfucker say? I can only take so many cold showers. It seemed like a grooming situation. Hell no, that's pretty much telling her ass, I'm going to do this one or two more times, and I'm going to go fuck the pregnant bitch. Oh, I forget all about the whole pregnancy plot. Oh, it kind of gets, it never gets discussed. Yeah, it kind of gets swept under the fucking rug. Yeah, Debbie is knocked up. She is with child, yeah. I can't eat that weed. I'm pregnant. Yeah, they bring it up one time and then never talk about it again. (laughs) It's called character development. If you knew anything about Friday the 13th, you would know this is about as good as it gets from this point on. (laughs) What the, what the fuck was in old dude's box? Now that I think back on it, oh you'll find out. Oh, his whole fucking life is in there somehow. This little what is it? This little fucking two foot by one foot box that he's got that holds. He's gonna pull some stuff out of his box later on that don't make any sense. I'm not <laughs> going to say something about it. Chris makes Rick load hay into a barn that does not have any wildlife at all on the property. Chris's family apparently just stockpiles bales of hay for no fucking reason at all. <laughs> It's coming back in the end. Chris literally says, yeah, my dad always buys all this hay. I don't know what we do with it. We don't have any animals. The horses. He's just, he always forgets to buy the horses. Where the fuck is their dad at? He's probably dead as well. Shelly, Chris's favorite character, gives everyone a scare by acting like he got axed in the forehead. 
before being tickled back to life. <laughs> Dude. Oh, shit. Poor Shelly, man. He just keeps cock-blocking himself at every turn. <laughs> First fucking juggling, now this fucking bullshit. What is this character trait? What do you call this guy? Like he's a comic relief, but in a terrible way. Is he trying way. to entertain the other people, though? I don't understand what the hell he's doing. He's trying to fit in through the art of laughter and trying to make these people enjoy his presence by being a clown. Oh, so he's okay. I guess that makes more sense. He's not. Fu- he doesn't portray himself as funny at all. He's an actor, all right? He doesn't have to be funny. He has just watched a, a marathon of John Candy films, Chris. He's trying to be John Candy. Shelly and Vera head to the store, get caught up in a scrap with a local biker gang, and have their ride's windows busted out by them. Then they drive over their bikes. A question here says, what the fuck is with this gang? Complete randomness. You just get thrown into a Michael Jackson music video all of a sudden. <laughs> you can tell the white guy in the gang is a badass because he's got caution tape wrapped around his fucking bicep. The two haul off back to the cabin, but the biker gang follows them in order to burn down the barn. Fox goes into the barn by herself, and her buddy finds her nailed to a beam with a pitchfork through the throat. These three gangsters, whatever the hell you want to call them, are essentially just fodder, right? Or just add to the body count. They have no fucking purpose here. They just pulled off of Electric Avenue back in the 80s, and they're going to burn this damn barn down. <laughs> I think this whole thing goes back kind of to character development. For some reason, the script writer, I think, had a big heart on for the Shelly character. And going to the store with Vera was him trying to make up for him, uh, you know, playing his stupid little stunt, trying to get back in her good graces. Once at the store, he, uh, he, you know, kind of does something, some alpha Chad shit and hits the guy's motorcycle with with the car. And uh, it's kind of showing that, hey, there might be something more to this nerd. Don't know why they decided to put him in so much of the movie, but I think this whole sequence is just for the Shelly character. We feel for him, man. We don't want him to get hurt, right? Fuck no. I care fucking less. None of, <laughs> none of these characters in this movie. By the end, I don't think you're rooting for anybody. I think I think George's got a soft spot for Rick. So Fox gets nailed to the throat, and then her buddy gets pitchforked right through his stomach as well. And then the gang leader, Ali, runs into the barn and goes one-on-one with Jason, who knocks him out with one punch. I appreciated him going after his ass. That's something you really don't see much of in these movies. Oh, you say that. You wait till fucking he takes Manhattan, baby. Oh, oh God. My fuckers having fist fights and shit. I love that shit. Oh. Chris and Rick go to a wastewater drain in the woods to talk, and she tells him about the night Rick dropped her off. At her, God, this, I, I feel stupid reading this. This was so such bad writing. Uh, hold on. Drops her off at her parents' house two years ago, and she had a run-in with Jason and survived. She woke up the next day in her bed. <laughs> what the fuck happened there? I have no idea. So she, I have, she, took, she says, I fell asleep under an oak tree. And then we get like a fade in to that, what she's narrating. This motherfucker is sitting straight up, back against the tree, supposedly taking a fucking nap. And he's like, but Jason appears like the damn swamp thing and carries her away. <laughs> he's got that fucking, he's got that, Come here, bitch. that sixth sense. He knows where the pussy at. <laughs> so I got a note here uh, that uh, about something that got cut during this flashback or whatever the hell, hell oh, it so is. There's logic I missed. 
Originally, Jason was supposed to rape Chris in the flashback scene, but this idea was dropped or downplayed. This is partially due to it being out of character for Jason, who never sexually assaulted any of his victims. It's definitely alluded to that he may have done something like that because in her own words she says he called her and drug her away and then she just woke up in her bed the next day. Yeah, I thought she was going to be pregnant or something. I didn't get the two-year timeline. Oh, I would have been awesome. But, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, you if you think about what Hootie said, it makes sense because he was like a mama's boy. And, you know, you know, Miss Voorhees didn't raise him to damn do that to nobody. Rick's battery dies during her strange long story My and they love. have to take a shortcut back to the cabin. <laughs> Shelly scares Vera by putting on a full scuba suit and hockey mask and grabbing her leg at the dock. Vera gets pissed, of course, and then Shelly decides to go check out the barn alone. You didn't even mention that he had a fucking spear gun, too. Uh, well, excuse me, of all the bullshit that he had he on at the time. <laughs> a fucking three-foot-long spear gun out of this itty-bitty suitcase. As well as a wetsuit and a hockey mask. Oh, is that God. what his whole life was? <laughs> is that what he meant? That's where he just keeps his costume changed, his wardrobe. What the fuck kind of character was this, Scuba Steve? <sighs> and no, I don't know. It's, 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 <laughs> he keeps a spear gun in there. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, it was hugging him in the right spaces, you know what, what I mean? The f- how did they convince this actor to get into that fucking thing? <laughs> There's no way he took that off more than once. Why did he put on the wetsuit? I oh, mean, fucking uh, no. Uh, Why was he wearing a hockey mask underwater? <laughs> There's so many questions. It's <laughs> to help him breathe. I don't fucking know what's going on, man. Vera drops Shelly's wallet into the lake and then decides to go in after it. Jason shows up with his now signature hockey mask taken from Shelly. He sharpshoots an arrow right through Vera's left eyeball. An absolute marksman. <laughs> Fucking hip fire headshot. <laughs> Fuck. Up to this point, uh, by far the kill of the movie right there. Spear through the eye, brutal as hell. Uh, that's some shit I can get behind for sure. I got one little quote here from Shelly, too, before we lose Vera completely. A couple scenes before, she was talking about how, yeah, we'll talk. He says, sure, we'll talk. And then she walks away. He says, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this, dude, this dude fucking sucks. <laughs> fucking incel, bro. So, in your current state when you watch this film, how wild was it seeing that uh, Harpoon get shot at her, at her face? Oh, that shit was Joy. fucking crazy, bro. I love how he walked away from the scene. That shit was badass. Oh, as he fucking domes there, drops it, and just casually turns around. That's goes, what I'm talking about with this, <laughs> this fucking Ricky Broker guy. Oh. This dude was fucking smooth. Rick, I call him Ricky. Richard. Richard. <laughs> I like I fucking Ricky. know. Like I know his ass from, from fucking. Listen, Rick. We got the rape scene, but. He has like a devil may care attitude. Like he just literally like drops it like he would drop the mic and just like strolls off. Andy and Debbie have hammock sex. So you know what that means. Andy gets a machete to the head in the hallway, and Debbie gets a throwback Kevin Bacon death with a knife through the hammock in the chest, but done extremely poorly. You said through the head? Chest. No, no, I'm talking about fucking Andy. Andy gets like his dick Andy gets his fucking taint 
slashed open. <laughs> okay, there you go. He's yeah, walking around with his hands for some he's, fucking reason. I think him. I think he's like. I don't think he's an actor. I think he's like a circus performer. Because at one point in time, he's like fucking juggling in the movie. Him and him and uh, Shelley are having a juggling competition. He walks on his fucking hands the entire movie. The harpoon death was the death until this death. The getting your fucking taint and shit slashed open and your legs cut off, that was the kill of the movie. But the son bitch like dies instantly. He doesn't even make a noise. Oh, no, no, he screams. But she doesn't hear it. Uh, well, the shot was powerful. Because a little bit earlier, they made... They made it to where the audience knows, hey, she can't hear, because he's trying to ask her if she wants a beer or some bullshit. Yeah, he had to come in there and show them. He fucking, ah! <laughs> she's what? She's in the shower using an herbal essence, you know, just really getting into it, man. Getting them nipples soapy and stuff. Joey's like, all right, pause this. She took that, damn, her pregnant ass took that to him, knife and handle through the Damn neck. it, I forgot she was pregnant. That was the throat. <laughs> fucking character <laughs> development. Fucking throat goat, bro. Fuck. But I did appreciate that they used the hammock. Who do you see? I mean, it was cheap. It didn't look as good as the as the bacon effect, but I do appreciate it. And immediately before this, she's reading the Fangoria magazine, and it's got an article about Tom Savini inside of it. And I thought that was pretty awesome. Tommy, how about this? How about this? They used they used the hammock in this movie to reference the banana hammock that fucking Kevin Bacon had in the first yeah, movie. Yeah, baby. <laughs> What, they should have put Shelly in a fucking speedo. God, if only. that damn wetsuit. Chuck goes into the cellar to cut the lights back on and finds Jason just hanging out. He throws Chuck into the fuse box, which apparently fries him to a crisp. <laughs> don't forget, Very confused. Don't forget that Chuck was taking a shit like five minutes earlier, too. <laughs> there's so much fucking dookieing going on in this movie. There's a lot of dookie and there's not a lot of hand washing. And then he goes and makes fucking popcorn with those same hands. Ah, delicious. So buttery. Let me just butter this popcorn by what hand. What about that fucking shot down in the cellar where it zooms in on Chuck's feet like this is a Quentin Tarantino movie? It kind of looked like Joey's new uh, fruit cellar he's got at his house. Oh, shit. Uh-oh. I might be shooting the damn remake of your house. Well, <laughs> your ass jumped back. <laughs> I fucking made the innocent noise. You stepped on that cord. You thought it was a goddamn snake. <laughs> thought it was a damn. Was that shit from Last of Us? <laughs> I thought it was a fucking clicker. A clicker. I don't know how that show's going to do. It's going to be a banger, dude. You think is so? It, is it out yet? I do. Mm-hmm. It starts in two weeks, I think. Two weeks, okay. But it's the same guy who wrote Chernobyl, so I got faith. I went and rewatched okay. that the other day. That's such a good fucking miniseries. That's a fucking tough rewatch. Good God. Yeah, it's a good All series. Right. Chili finds Shelly with his throat slit open, and then Jason shoves a hot fire poker through her. We are down to two supposed teenagers left, boys. Rick and Chris. I like how he, like, at this point, it's like a fucking game of Clue. He literally has to find a new weapon for every kill. Like he drop, he fucking got the hip fire with the harpoon, drops it. All right, next, next. It's like he's going for a fucking kill streak. He's got to get, <laughs> got to get the boiling hot poker through somebody's fucking. Guts. It's like he's playing gun game from Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about gun game. Why does he always use different fucking weapons? Now that I think about it. Until he gets his trusty machete. Until. So how and long? Emma? How long did Shelly have to wander around with a slit throat? How could Shelly get an off-screen fucking stab? That was the one character I wanted to see fucking eat it. Well, that's the thing. Like <laughs> they, they was building the character up to be annoying and, and you know, you know, no sympathy at all, and then you get the kill off-screen. That's like that's a uh, that's a hand job where you don't get to finish. 
<laughs> How about that? How about that? Rick begins to search the house and then goes and checks the outside of the house by himself. Side note here. Why is there never any blood when they go back through these houses? Never. I cleaned up. I, was, I wrote a note as a Jason that should have been a fucking custodian because that's how much cleans up quick. This house should be covered in blood. Jason finds Rick outside of the house and crushes his skull in, sending his eyeball right at that camera. Boom. Here comes that string <laughs> again. Chris begins to find bodies, one of which is Rick being thrown through the window. Jason walks in like an absolute badass through the broken window and begins to chase Chris. Dun-na, dun-na, dun-na. That was fucking I was awesome. To put a fucking stunner on somebody right there. <laughs> I th- will say the actor, what was his name, Rick, the guy thrown through the window? Rick. The fucking tumble looked legit, and it looked like it was the actor doing it, too. So I think a I lot of these his own actors stunt, but did their own stunts. It looked like that motherfucker took a header over the couch under the floor. In the barn when that... uh. When that fucking dude rolled off the top, I think he actually rolled off the top. A damn WWE match waiting to happen in this bitch. Chris is able to knock Jason in the head with a log and make it to the van. Chris then runs out of gas on the rickety bridge, and Jason is able to catch up to her. Chris then runs to the barn because why not? She fucks this dude up a lot. She leads Jason up to the crow's nest and then hangs his ass. She's fucking OP right here at the end, man. That's why I thought maybe she had Jason's seed in there and she was getting like extra powers or something. And right here, I was cool. I was like, you know what? This is a pretty solid part three. And then this shit happens. Chris tries to leave the barn, but apparently you can't kill Jason because he's back. Oh, and so is Ali some fucking hell. He had to have one fucking last hoorah. <laughs> I like how he had to show her how fucking ugly he was too. Well, he pulled up his fucking man. Hey, real stupid. <laughs> we was talking about. <laughs> he pulled it back down. He <laughs> was talking about Jason's physique in this movie, right? <sighs> this motherfucker is yoked. I think he. Ju- the reason he did that is pretty much him saying, "Bitch, you thought you broke my neck with traps like these, looking like a goddamn giant tortoise, giant tortoise with this meat shell on my back. You're gonna learn today." This motherfucker been... is the man. How can you break the neck of that which has no neck? <laughs> He's been uh, heavy lifting fucking bags of concrete for the past year and a half. <laughs> you know what kind of threw me off with this scene? Ali, because it did, because it did me. Chris knew how to tie a fucking noose pretty damn quick. If Wait you know what I'm saying. Second. That is true. Wait that a tick. I mean, too quick. Almost like she's so done. Why do we pull time. Ali in just to immediately fucking dispose of him? He's literally just fodder for Dude, her to get out of there. Ali hid this whole time in the barn and threw his life away some, for some white floozy. She don't even acknowledge his presence at all. Because here's the note. As soon as Ali pops out, he gets his arm chopped off and then several more chops to the head. Run, white girl, run. <laughs> this does, however, afford Chris time. So I guess it was not all for nothing. To grab an axe and send it into Jason's skull, killing him once and for all, we hope. Chris then boards a canoe, because again, why not, and then sleeps in the middle of a pretty terrible looking lake. Yes, again, I think we had this. I've had the same note at the end of every one of these fucking movies. What are these people doing at the end? They just want to take a nap nap or some shit, so they go out in the water. You talking about these dream sequences? I never know what the fuck is going on. Why are they all the same? It's just the dream sequences. Not they're not actually in the boat. Why are they always the same? They just fall asleep. I guess it's like like the the effect that Crystal Lake has. Freddy Krueger shit. 
So Chris wakes up, and of course, Jason is back at it and running after her. However, Jason's mom grabs her from under the water. <laughs> Reversed it on your ass, didn't you? <laughs> you yeah, waiting shit. for it, too. That's some more, yeah. ads, more of the dream sequence bullshit. Where's that baby Jason at? Him standing in the window, and just, like, way too much of a look at him. <laughs> yeah, he got, like, hard as a damn rock looking out at her and started, like, touching the glass <laughs> like he was fucking a mime or something. Oh, shit, I'm coming to get it. <laughs> Had to show her how ugly it was. She forgot. She fucking remembered it in her dream. <laughs> we learned that this was a dream sequence, and that sadly, Chris has now got a severe case of PTSD from the night's events. And that ends part three. So is that the same thing that's happened to all three women in these three movies? They all go, like, mental? Yeah, they all got, like, PTSD and survived. How many people can he let fucking escape and still be considered a badass killer? Well, you know what's funny? This movie ends that way, right? With her, like, being hauled off by the police and, like, presumably being taken to some mental health facility. Yeah. The way way Friday the 13th Part 3 was supposed to go is it was supposed to follow what happened to Jenny. Like, it was going to follow her into a psychiatric facility where Jason would go into the hospital and kill people to get to Jenny. Much like Halloween, Halloween two. fucking two. Uh, thankfully, Jenny, uh, the actress who played Jenny, said, "Fuck no, I'm not being a part of this project," and so they had to go another direction. But it would have been a, 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 a just a rip off of uh, a Halloween two. Yeah, this would have been like the year after Halloween two as well. Yeah, Jesus. Well, thank you, Jenny, for saving a franchise. So cut me out. It's kind of weird because like. All right, that that idea didn't play out with uh, part three. However, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street three is kind of similar in the fact that it takes place in a psychiatric uh, facility. What piece of memorabilia would you want from part three, boys? I think this was too obvious here, but I'll go ahead and get that the way. Look at the mask. Let me get it while it's clean, while it's the OG. I never really knew how he got it, so with this... Uh, this experience under my belt, I'm going to forever enshrine the original in my collection. So I want to get that hammock right after Debbie and Andy had finished nutting in it. Uh, mm. No, I'm just, I'm just joshing around. I'm Josh hey, Voorhees. What a silly boy. Around, that is. Uh, seriously, though, let me get the infamous hockey mask Jason borrows from his pal Shelly and becomes synonymous with the... Uh, character until the end of time so are we to believe that Shelly walks in and he's carrying all of his bullshit gadgets uh, and Jason's like man that's a nice that's a nice hockey mask he should have took the fucking wetsuit he should have put on the wetsuit I think Jason just says fucking yoink so obviously I would also pick the iconic hockey mask because this is where he gets it but to add some flavor to my memorabilia section here I would also want to take that harpoon gun because it has got the best damn set of iron sights ever put on a fucking harpoon gun. It's got a fucking aim assist on it. We call that a laser <laughs> attachment. He just fucking uses the laser attachment. Laser. Dome. Dome that that lady. He doomed her. She, she got what was coming to her treating Shelly the way she did. <laughs> her character was a bit underdeveloped, she, I would say. She was trying to save Shelly's wallet from getting uh, waterlogged, though, so that's something. There's got to be some symbolism there. we got to think about that. I'm sure there's some depths to the screenplay we're not analyzing properly. I don't think I don't think so. Maybe not. Maybe not. 
Uh, if, if that's the case, I didn't know why he was wearing a hockey mask and a wetsuit underwater with a harpoon gun. So yeah, I want to see him with the hockey mask on underwater because he obviously can't fucking breathe. <laughs> All right, fellas. Well, let's wrap this thing up. Before we get out of here, what are your final thoughts on Friday the 13th, part three? Let me go first here since Joey seems to be the, the torchbearer for this franchise. That's a good point. Seems watching the iconic 80s cheese horror back-to-back is softening my dank old heart because it's probably not great movie work. as a nice treat for me. So much of the iconography of Jason Voorhees is born here. We get the mask, and we get the fact that it takes absolutely zero plot to spur his rampages. Most of the acting is plain old dog shit, and the story has zero surprises within it, but it stays true to formula, quick and brutal. I am not sure this will stick in my Friday headcan for long, but it did play like an old familiar bloody lullaby. I'm going to hang this bad boy up with a B-. 3D was surprisingly, for the most part, a really fun watch for me. I'm not a huge fan of this franchise, but can respect it for the rightful place it holds in the horror genre. Part 3 did bring the iconic hockey mask to the franchise and made Jason look like Bill Goldberg if he was mixed with the Toxic Avenger. I did really appreciate the amount of time we get to see Jason without any mask on. It literally makes him feel more human, if that's even possible. Think of football players once they take their helmets off. With that being said, once Chris enters the barn in the final act, this film goes way off the rails for me. And with that, part three is left with a C. All right. So as these guys said, I'm kind of a fan of the franchise. So I'm, a little more critical, I guess, of, uh, you know, whether it's a good Friday movie or not. So, uh, Friday 3 is a pretty big departure from Part 1 and 2, um, kind of abandoning the Jason mythos and giving us Kill Everyone Jason as opposed to Mama's Revenge Jason. This is the movie that establishes the format for future entries in the series, for better or for worse. The 3D, although it worked for my high-as-fuck self, felt like it was too much of a focus and took away from the kills, not to mention some pretty mundane chase sequences. Um, The acting sucked balls for the most part. However, this movie gave us an awesome Jason uh, Voorhees and Richard Rooker. Uh, The guy is yoked and has such a memorable interpretation of the character. Um, the casting is the most boring and dispensable group of characters thus far in any uh, Friday the 13th movie, um, from 1 to 3, that is. Um, I mean, it's nice not having any sort of attachment to these characters and watching them get offed without any emotional uh, sort of attachment. But even the final girl, Chris, isn't worth rooting for. Hell, I'd rather have seen uh, 3D beat Nightmare 2 to the punch and have Shelly as the final boy. Um classic Friday the 13th score aside from the funky uh, opening take on the classic Jason theme which I dug um, this is definitely the most dumbed down Friday the 13th movie of the first three but it's also by far the most fun so grab your 3D specs turn your brain off go slack jawed and enjoy watching some teens getting slaughtered I give Friday the 13th part 3 a C Definitely the low point of the series so far, but far from being a terrible horror movie. All right, boys, let's put her to bed. We got another Friday behind us. 
this was a given assignment, so we didn't really have anything at stake here, but we did take our guesses. Uh, starting with the low man, Mr. Ryan Hootie thought this would present a 28% score on Rotten Tomatoes. I said a 35. Joy said a 45. The actual score is a 42. Like that. Ooh. Nice. It's not, it's not that bad, man. But it's been quite a while since we actually had uh, an open mic here for someone to choose the next film, and it coincidentally is your boy's turn. Oh, I forgot about this. Uh, oh, it's gosh. been a while. I think Hellraiser might be the last thing I presented for us, which was like back in August or something. So, so I'm probably going to regret this, but yes. I kind of like to do a one for me, one for them type of situation. Like Hellraiser was one that I've been meaning to get to, so now I'm kind of just going to do one for blind, the sake of a blind spot. And I will begin by defining something called coulrophobia. You guys familiar with what this phobia is? Coulrophobia? Is that the name of the movie? Coulrophobia. No. That is a fear of clowns. Oof. We're doing it? Oh, are we doing fuck? Oh my God, are we doing goddamn killer clowns from outer space? 2016's Terrifier. Oh, oh fuck. whoa. Something we I've never wrong. seen. You ain't, I don't think you're going to want to watch that. <laughs> I have I a feeling I'm going to regret this. This shit is so uh, nasty, man. It is not me at all. I get, I'm get. i kind of getting a little nauseous thinking about it now. Oh, but, God. Uh, all right, now, we know the scene. It is what it is. The scene from part three where the guy got cut down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually how you should do cut down the middle shit. So, yeah, you're, oh. you'll see it. So is it super gory? Yeah. Outrageously gory. Down, buddy. Outrageously, okay. Puts fucking, puts hostile to shame. I don't think I had a true fear of clowns as a kid, but I had a touch of it, mostly due to Pennywise and exposure to the book It, written by Stephen King. It's set in a very particular spot in our local public library, and the cover of it kind of just always stuck with me. So, Yeah, the guy who plays Arthur in this is fucking fantastic. Or art, I think you so, really yeah. call it. This is uh, definitely one of those Netflix posters that I've scrolled past a million times and never bothered to click on. And I know the uh, sequel that just came out got a lot of buzz because people were like getting sick in the theaters and shit like that. So, so Awesome. Yeah, it's not something I'm going to love. I can already feel it, but okay. I feel like it's, it's my duty to document my exposure to this. Alrighty, folks, you want to play along or have it on YouTube to watch the official trailer for Terrifier. Terrifier! Let's go. Oh, shit, they actually put it in there. This is where you pulled this from. I did not pull it from here. An extreme fear of clowns. This guy does, uh, like, horror cops. What's wrong? I'm fine. Why? Keep looking over your shoulder. Uh, this is making me like a little queasy already. It's a fucking like scalpel cat of nine tails. What kind of clown? Do you really think someone slashed my tires? Well, he knows this is your car. He saw us getting into it earlier. Eesh. 
Like it's only two. Looks like there's only two um, characters though, besides the clown. That's good. That's actually a really good trailer because it doesn't like really give away much at all. I'm assuming he doesn't talk either. Oh no, I don't think, I don't think he talks for either movie. Made me feel like a little something. Ugh. How do you feel about the? Fan score on Rotten Tomatoes for old Terrifier. Uh, I feel like it's like the gory factor divides people. I'm gonna go low. I'll go like 55. Because it got a sequel, I think that has to mean something. Granted, this looks very low budget. Uh, it could have got a sequel by GoFundMe for all the hell I know. I'm gonna go 74. Alrighty, folks. Thank you for listening. Check out the website horriblefilmschool.com to find us on all podcast platforms as well as links to all that social jazz give us a follow leave a review send us some pre-shrunk wetsuits i'm gonna offer my support to women set up on blind dates with squarely weirdo fucks like shelly do not hesitate to put that slob of a man in his place because no means no and with that, and if you're hearing our voices, tell at least one person you know, spread the love, spread that campaign. It's 2023, for God's sakes. Make it your New Year's resolution to tell somebody you know about the show. And then I guess we're all going to get to go watch a very terrifying clown. So, I'm out. Thanks for all the likes, the subs, the listens, the follows, the downloads. We really appreciate you guys' support, as well as your time and attention. Be sure to join us next time when we meet Art the Clown in 2016's Terrifier. Uh, well, here's to a beautiful 2023 for everyone. Class dismissed. Dismissed.